You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience here at Conservative Review's Northern Command. Your respite from insanity, from distractions, from false choices, false dichotomies, and downright misinformation and obfuscation. And I'm telling you, it's a Tuesday that feels really like a Thursday. Uh, There is so much going on that I just don't even have time to deal with things. I had three columns out today, just one after another, and I'm working on a number of other columns because there is just so much to get out that really speaks to the fundamentals of what we're all about here. You know, I told you yesterday that I was going to praise the administration on something very important that they did, although I really wonder if they're going to hold the line on it like anything else. But finally implementing expedited removal, the cornerstone of IRA, the 1996 immigration law passed unanimously by the United States Senate. A lot of very prominent Democrats, including Pelosi and Schumer, voted for it. But even in... While I was recording the show yesterday, I was fully aware of the fact that this administration was screwing us beyond belief on everything else. Now, obviously, God has a sense of humor, but I I don't think it's divine providence. I think it's divine judgment that every single time we need a rebellion on the right, where we need... And it's not just the right guy. I hate, I hate even saying this. I feel like even renaming my show, it's not even about conservatism. This is everyone. This sort of debt is out of control. Everyone agrees to that point. But that every time we need people to pressure the president and say, no, you have a swamp in GOP leadership in Congress. You have a swamp in your office. You have a swamp in the Treasury Department and the administration. And you need to fulfill your promises. Every single time, there is a distraction. So this week, we got the Mueller hearing. Mueller, 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 the gift that keeps giving. The political fentanyl, political heroin that keeps being injected into those who need to stand up. And look, look. I'll say this again, conservative media and those involved in it are really the most important influential people around now. The president will listen to them. But what all of this demonstrates is that if you allow the president to be left to his own devices, where there is only a swamp pushing him, he's going to do the swampiest of things. It is truly hard to overstate the degree of perfidy in the president, not just agreeing, but championing 
this budget deal. And I don't want to call it a budget deal because a, de- a deal connotes that, you know, two sides disagree and you strike a deal. There's no disagreement. They agreed for a blank check debt ceiling increase until August 1st of 2021, two years. We're going to likely accrue, I mean, minimum of two, 2.2 trillion in debt, but at this pace, probably closer to 3 trillion. And you know what it does? See, typically they say, okay, we're going to allow another trillion in debt, another trillion and a half in debt. Here, it does it for, it just suspends it. It suspends the debt limit. And then it says, whatever that debt is by August 1st, 2021, we'll reinstate it. So imagine, you know, if you're basically millions of dollars behind in your credit card. I mean, you're just deep into debt beyond belief. And you say, you know what? I'm going to go and give myself such credit as I can consume in the next two years. No limit. And then whatever it is, we'll reset it then. That's what your government just did. Then, in addition, they bust the budget caps by $321 billion over the next two years. If you remember, the Republicans passed the Budget Control Act in 2011 to take effect for the first year in 2012 for 10 years. The final two years are fiscal year 2020 coming up and then the year after 2021. Those are the final two years to fulfill the promise of the Tea Party. Every year until now, Republicans have undone with two to three branches of government, first the House and the Senate, then the House, Senate, and White House, and now the White House and the Senate, what they were able to accomplish with the House alone. They busted it by $80 billion for 2014-2015. Or I'm, I'm sorry, um, 16 and 17, I believe. They busted it by $296 billion for 18 and 19. <clears throat> and now they're going to bust it by $321 billion more. That's a total of $700 billion where Republicans didn't have to cut spending. See, that's the thing. We weren't even asking Trump to fight for anything. Just hold the line on the status quo. That's all he had to do. The budget cuts would automatically happen. They could have gotten $700 billion in less spending for free. But they chose to agree to the Democrats because they agree with them on everything. But I don't think you guys realize how bad this betrayal is. This so didn't have to happen. Even if the president were inclined to do this. Dude, we have another nine, ten weeks left until the deadline. Let the Democrats stew a little bit. Leverage it. Hold it over the August recess. Demand they come back in session and get a better deal as part of my broader plan of an American August which of course fell flat with them to deal with sovereignty, to deal with protecting Americans from foreign invaders. But no, we just can't have nice things. I mean, there was just no reason for this. 
Like, we get it. He is terrified, terrified of the Democrats, no matter how much or little power they have. He will never do anything that will risk a government shutdown. I get that. But, dude, at least go a little closer to the line. At least make them negotiate. This is the big thing people don't understand. Rush Limbaugh will likely get on the air today and talk about, oh, well, I told you no one cares about fiscal conservatism anymore. I don't either. Ha-ha, no one cares. I can't care if no one cares. Fine, okay, let's just put that aside for a minute. It's not true because you got this for free. You didn't have to fight for it. But what no one's going to tell you is that this precludes Trump's leverage on every other issue, most prominently the border. So let's say you don't care about the spending. Fine. But what this did, there was a very simple thing. All he had to do was do short-term debt ceiling increases and short-term CRs. So it constantly leaves the leverage going. Don't throw it away for the remainder of your presidency. That's what it did. The remainder of Trump's presidency. He didn't have to do that. If you're going to give in, give in short-term. So you always have a looming deadline that keeps getting kicked. That is, once that deadline ends, automatic spending cuts are the status quo. You Democrats are the ones who want to change the law to get more spending. Well, if you want that from me, you're going to have to play ball. You could talk about defunding Planned Parenthood. You could certainly talk about funding ICE, deportations, the border wall. But nothing. That is all gone now. House is going to vote on it on Thursday. Senate probably next Monday before they leave, or Monday or Tuesday is their last day. They stay in a couple days longer. There's one reason why they had to do this before the August recess. So conservatives couldn't mobilize. But otherwise, they've never done this. They always wait. Heck, usually they they go on a CR for several months into the fiscal year before crafting the omnibus budget deal. To do this beforehand? This is not the year of the election. This is the year before. Okay? So, Trump, I mean, look, there, there, there is no way to defend this. I mean, even the Teletubbies aren't really out. There's not much they can say. It is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. You know, as as I look at this, as I look at what's going on, I think back with sorrow. I can't believe it's been eight years. It was... A hot summer, July, August, was the debt ceiling fight of 2011. Back then, we couldn't believe, we couldn't believe that the debt was at 14, 15 trillion. Now it's at 22 trillion. And I remember noting how, you know, they put military cuts against non-defense cuts, and I knew Republicans would put a gun to their head, and they'll always wind up destroying it. So we actually opposed the deal, but nonetheless, because we could have gotten so much more, but nonetheless, even the part we got was only because of our work, and I was proud at the time to be a big part of that. I fought every single budget battle from the time Republicans took over at least one branch of government and had the opportunity to do so beginning in 2011. Eight years ago. 
And now I'm coming full circle with so many things I write about, push for, expose, to be proven right. Just like I'm proven right on jailbreak with criminal, violent criminals being released today by the Bureau of Prisons, which we'll get to. So that's what we got. We don't have a wall. We don't have deportations. I mean, I, I just literally spent an hour on this conference call with ICE acting director Matt Albans. And of course, I, I waited to get a question. And of course, all Telemundo gets a question, but Blaze Media doesn't get a question. So I wasted my time with that. But did you know that the dep deportation of family units that got all their due process, they keep saying that due process when they're not entitled to it. Everyone asked, did they start the operation? So he announced that they deported 32 people. Or I'll say they apprehended 32 to deport. I don't know if they deported them there. So the, the deportation numbers are half overall. Annual deportation numbers are half of where they were for most of Obama's presidency. The intake at the border is are two to three times more than under Obama. Discretionary spending will now be 20% higher than in FY 2017, even the first year of Trump. But let me tell you, you know what we got for this presidency? Well, even the violent criminals in federal prison that Obama didn't want to deport. I, I mean deport, um, uh, let out of jail. This administration, after advocating successfully to pass the First Step Act, is now letting them out. Oh, boy. But just remember, the leverage is over. It's the duration that makes no sense. Imagine that. To do this this early in the process and do it for two years. You're done. You are completely done. Oh, don't worry, Daniel. We'll, we'll cut spending and cut illegal immigration in the second term. What changes? You can't have a government shutdown. The filibuster, the district judges, nothing changes. We've had this. For the first two years anyway. And that's best case scenario that they went back to house, which won't make a difference. And he keeps praising McConnell and McCarthy. So it's not like we're going to have different leaders. And he keeps backing rhinos in primaries. You see on display the buck nakedness of this failed non-existent conservative movement. You know what they tell him? The advisors say, look, maybe you'll have two, three show hosts bellyache for a couple minutes about this, but you're not going to suffer any reprisal. And guess what? Tomorrow's Mueller and everyone will forget about it. And you know what? They're not wrong. And that is why we are where we are. There's a lot of talk about Drudge making it a top headline for a while on his site that not a single mile of new border fencing has been built. Now, just, you know, before that, it's everyone asked me, Daniel, is that true or not? It, it's comp it's a complicated question. In, 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 literally, in its most literal sense, it's true that there is not a single mile of fence where there was nothing there before that there is now a, a fence or a wall there. 
But it's not quite as bad as it sounds because there were, you know, 60, 70 miles of repairs, which included a significant amount that wasn't just repairs, but we literally had no pedestrian fencing. It was just a Normandy vehicle barrier. So I count that as wall. But okay, so let's say it's 20, 30 miles. Everyone's wondering, how are we into year three of the Trump administration? And there's so little to show for it. The answer is the budget. The budget. That is why. Because on all of these leverage points, they slammed the budget bill on the floor within a couple days, betraying us, giving the Democrats everything they wanted when the Democrats had no leverage to do so. And all these Teletubbies were just dancing around on Fox News, on talk radio, doing nothing about it. You literally, you could read it in the articles, um, the reporting on the White House negotiations. Their entire tactic is, is geared towards conservative media. That's how powerful it is. I'm not just trying to make a cute point here. If you add all the, you know, the, Pick in your mind the top 10 most influential, influential, supposedly conservative voices. And they would say what I'm saying. We would have a different country. And they know that. And that's why at the precise moment. When these voices need to stand up. The White House gets them to stand down. And like servile puppy dogs. They go and listen. Every single time, no matter the stakes, no matter the consequences. So now we're going to spend an extra $2 trillion over the next 10 years as a result of this. Think about it. We've spent billions of dollars under this administration taking 21,000 sick illegal aliens to the hospital, chewing up 250,000 men hours of Border Patrol. Yet not a penny is spent on the Border Patrol or military holding the line against the cartels at the border or deporting illegal aliens or building the wall. And again, all he had to do is just pass a clean CR and spend the entire August building the case for more ICE funding doing all the things we've asked for. Now, they say there's $77.4 billion in spending offsets. Folks, there is not a penny in spending offsets. There's not a penny of money that would otherwise not have been spent, that otherwise would have been spent that won't be spent, There's not a penny of revenue that they wouldn't have gotten anyway that they're not going to get. They extend certain fees. They were going to extend them anyway. It's it's a a joke. But the rest is called chimps. It's not chimpanzee, but it is monkey business. It's an acronym for changes in mandatory programs. So what they do is when they want to spend more discretionary spending, you know, Department of Education, Department of HUD, they say, okay, in 10 years from now, we're going to find... We're going to, they just deem it literally on a piece of paper. We're going to spend um, uh, 50 billion less on Medicare. Well, what structural policy do you put in place to ensure that? No, nothing. We're just, and therefore, now it opens up another 50 billion to spend right now on discretionary spending. 
And then when you reach that 10 years, you never wind up doing it. And they keep doing it every year. It's a Ponzi scheme every year. My right hand owes the left hand. It's not even a gimmick. It's not even a fit. It, it's, it's literally nothing. Not a single dollar. So it's not 77 billion in spending offices. Oh, the White House wanted 150 billion in offices. They only gave them 77 billion. There is nothing. It is literally a joke. I want you to understand something, folks. We are going, we are now at annual deficit levels at the Tea Party era, the stimulus where Obama was TARP, all this stuff under a Republican administration. But here's the difference to Obama's, I don't want to say credit, but partial defense, it was the deepest recession in decades. And as a result of that, not only did you need to spend more on welfare and unemployment, but revenue was 1.5 trillion lower than it is today. Let me give you some numbers. Back then, revenue, annual revenue was about 2.1 trillion, 2009, 2010, that era, 2.1 trillion. Now it's projected to be 3.6, 3.7 trillion. And yet still, because the spending is four and a half trillion going up to five trillion, we're gonna rival those annual deficits. This is the most perfidious, pathetic movement and party in the history of humanity. Every single thing you have leverage to accomplish, even if you don't care about the spending, is embedded in there. It's over. I mean, unless we could stop it in the next few days, but... It's not going to be my voice alone that could do that. Not that it, I'm not trying. And to think it didn't have to be this way. Trump could have given a national address. A national address. Calling for an American August. Threatening to use his constitutional authority to declare an emergency, call the Senate back in session and have them work on about 15 items, hearings every day, legislation every day for the American sovereign to enforce and reinforce current sovereignty laws. Would it have been that hard? I always want to lay down that marker on what could have been so you all know that it didn't have to be this way. I know certain things are hard in politics, but certain things are not. Do you know that the Democrats yesterday, yesterday there was a report that Democrats had, um, what, what do you call it? One of their think tanks showing how they're going to get crushed on immigration. They put out a memo showing this was from the Center for American Progress, Soros organization, that the left has ceded powerful rhetorical ground on the rule of law to Trump. Okay? They noted that overwhelmingly the public opposes what every one of their presidential candidates is espousing on ending ICE, decriminalizing legal immigration.
Imagine if we would have followed up from that with an American August and Trump would put out a blueprint and demand the following from Senate Republicans. Hearings and legislation dealing with sanctuary cities that release criminal aliens who harm Americans. An investigation into all local officials and third-party organizations that violate 8 U.S.C. 1324 by encouraging, harboring, inducing, shielding for protection, and transporting illegal aliens, along with those violating the 1986 law against illegal aliens working in this country. Legislation dealing with the problem of driver's licenses for illegal aliens and motor voter laws that without proper safeguards enable some illegal aliens to vote. A bill to finally make English the official language and idea supported by 88% of Americans and end bilingual balloting, which is contrary to the stated purpose of immigration. Hearings on the fiscal cost of illegal immigration and enforcing public charge laws. Enforcing all of the 8 U.S.C. 1182 inadmissibilities of anyone who is harmful to Americans in any way, whether it's a security threat, a health threat, or a fiscal threat. Fighting identity theft by illegal aliens. My gosh. What is a bigger winning issue than that? Deporting drunk driving illegal aliens. Testimony from border agents on how they are attacked by cartels, hamstrung by egregious rules of engagement, and assaulted daily. More funding for prosecutions at the border. Investigating how the federal courts are violating immigration law and the bounds of their jurisdiction to meddle in immigration enforcement and to apply appropriate legislation to reinforce current law. An investigation into how Central American teens are self-smuggled by their own illegal alien families and are fueling the gang and drug crises. Designating the Mexican cartels as terrorists and clarifying the role of the military in combating them. Offering American citizens, particularly victims of illegal aliens, standing in federal court to sue sanctuary cities. And then pass Kate's law, providing for mandatory minimum sentencing for those caught re-entering after being deported, especially those deported with prior aggravated felonies. And I, I could go on and on. Those are just about 15 ideas. Could you imagine what the election would look like? All of these ideas have broadly been promised to the American people for years. Many of them are still codified in current law, passed by large majorities. It would put the focus back on law enforcement and victims of crime rather than lawbreakers and their enablers. And it would prep the ground for a September budget fight. You would crush the Democrats messaging-wise. The idea wouldn't be to pass anything. Democrats control the House. We understand that. The president every day during August could tweet out stories about illegal alien crime, sex offenders, which, by the way, I'm working on a million of them. And then he could have set ironclad demands for the budget. Even if you're going to bust the budget caps, I'll agree to bust budget caps, but if we're going to spend money on everything else, you better believe we're going to spend it on ICE detention space, deportations, the wall, and more enforcement Enforcement, meaning dogs, boats, and horses, and aircraft for Border Patrol to hold the line. But that is if we had a movement that cares. You think of every leverage point, you think of every messaging point to advance your cause. If you believe in that cause, we don't have a side that believes in the cause. Hence, we don't have nice things. And that's where we are, folks. 
we are left with spending record funds caring for illegal aliens. But not a dime to deal with a problem that has gotten much, much worse under Republican control. It is truly, truly shocking. Truly shocking. You'll let me know what Rush says today. I can't listen. By the way, just wanted to point out, when McAleenan testified before the House Oversight and Reform Committee last week, he said, we are being faced with a younger and sicker population this year than we've ever seen at the border before. We see a lot of communicable diseases, a lot of severe illnesses. In some cases, we've had immediate surgery required for congenital defects. They actually came to the border to have surgery. Whoever voted for this? Whoever voted for this? Nobody. In fact, our laws... 1182, I believe it's A4. Say, by definition, if you're coming for that, you're the ultimate public charge. You're inadmissible. I just don't get it. But Republicans don't push this issue. The phony Fox News hosts don't push this issue. So there we are. We're left with nothing. I'm sure many of you have seen the numerous tweets from Trump in 2011, 2012, 2014. Republicans must use the debt ceiling as leverage to make a great deal. He had a number of these tweets where he literally spoke to what we're talking about today, except the difference is the legal immigration and the spending is much worse than when he felt it was an emergency for Republicans to use it, except now he is the president. There's no way to sugarcoat this, folks. It's game over. It is game over. And meanwhile, speaking of the surgeries, by the way, and speaking of inadmissible public charge, I want to thank Cal Thomas. A friend of mine sent this to me for writing an article at the Washington Times, actually finally echoing some of the stuff we've been saying. Finally, other people are picking this up. How Trump has the ability to stop this without Congress. You don't need a new law. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to... try to um, post this later, but the title is end immigration to mend it. And he basically noted notes for simple reasons, for safety reasons, fire marshals control the number of people who can occupy a building at any one time. We've seen what happens when crowds get too large and fires break out, causing panic and often death. So why not control the crowd illegally entering America? We control water so that it won't overflow a bathtub or sink, causing damage requiring expensive repairs. So why not shut off the flow of those illegally entering at the border? Pick your own analogy, but the U.S. immigration system is worse than broken. It can be fixed, but politicians from both parties refuse to do it, yada, yada. And then he notes, the president has authority under 8 U.S.C. 1182. The law includes categories of persons ineligible to enter the U.S., 
A key section relates to those entering the country illegally whose only motivation is to find a job and make money. The following is taken directly from the law. So aside from 82, we, we always note that there are um, um, 1182F, we note that there are other um, inadmissibilities. And he notes, in general, any alien who seeks to enter the United States for the purpose of performing skilled or unskilled labor is inadmissible unless the Secretary of Labor has determined and certified to the Secretary of State and the AG that one, there are not sufficient workers who are able, willing, and qualified, and two, the employment of such alien will not adversely affect the wages and working conditions of workers in the U.S. similarly employed. Do you know how many border agents tell me these people, they interview them, they say they're coming for a job. Right away, they should be sent back. Oh, Daniel, the lava, they'll apply for asylum. No, you're inadmissible. Oh, we need new laws. No, current law says the opposite. During the administrations of Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge, immigration was reduced to a trickle. After leaving office, Coolidge wrote in December 13, 1930, that most immigrants had come to demonstrate loyalty to America, but they must come slowly and avoid city colonies while spreading across the country. Quote, we have certain standards of life that we believe are best for us. We do not ask other nations to discard theirs, but we do wish to preserve ours. We reflect on no one in wanting immigrants who will be assimilated into our ways of thinking and living. I have that quote in my book. And that's it. Is it that hard for the president to message this? You see the polling. You see the opportunities. With the August recess, with the budget, but we don't have a movement to call the plays in Trump's ear. Just myself and a handful of people. So a couple of things we can get to the president, mainly things that are within the purview of people like Ken Cuccinelli, who's really had an outsized share effect, but you know, he, he doesn't affect the budget process. And um, that's about it. That's about it. How sad that is. But I just wanted you to know that other people are saying this, whether it's the law against labor, labor-seeking immigration, whether it's the law against public charge, whether it's the law against health inadmissibilities, and whether it's just you know the ultimate 212F, to shut off all immigration. The president would have been justified over a year ago. The American people would have understood that. Even if you're generally pro open borders, but look, you know, we got to turn off the faucet. We could talk about how much we want to hold in the tank afterwards, but right now, whatever your philosophy is, it's not working for anyone. How hard is it to talk like that? But this is where we are. And meanwhile, there's one insane case of criminal aliens after another that I can't even keep track with. Our buddies today at um, Immigration Reform Law Institute, King County, that's where Seattle is, early conduct investigation, and they found through a FOIA request that over a 27-month period ending in December 31st, 2017, King County Sheriff's Office refused to honor 370 immigration holds. 
almost 290 of which were classified by ICE as threat level one and two offenses. These included, but were not limited to homicide, kidnapping, sexual assault, robbery, aggravated assault, drugs, burglary, and fraud. How hard is it for the administration and Republicans in Congress to have a relentless pursuit of sanctuaries on this issue? Meanwhile, Seattle's homicide rate in 2018 is the highest in 10 years. And that leads me to the next issue. Jailbreak. Remember a time last year when we were the only voice, the only voice. I stood alone on the outside. Senator Tom Cotton and John Kennedy stood alone in the Senate fighting against this last step act. Jailbreak. Criminal justice reform. Freaking Teletubbies. There's so many low-level, first-time, non-violent offenders that are sitting in federal prison. And we were like, dude, if you're in federal prison and you've graduated on drug charges, A, you're usually with cartel transnational gang people. You're usually, you're often illegal aliens, so you should be deported. So it's not an issue of reintegrating in our society anyway. By definition, they're not first-time, low-level, nonviolent. They're the most violent people around that we usually get on drug charges. Often they're arrested for murder, robbery, and all sorts of crazy stuff. Usually they have extensive records in the state system, but the states were letting them out, which is why the federal prosecutors went after them. And in addition... The prison population on the federal level has already plummeted to 30-year lows. 30-year lows. And they lied their way through the bill. They said no one would ever – Mike Lee said a number of times that no one would get early release. Well, the first 3,100 were released on Friday. Okay? First 3,100 were released. Now, they were released because there was a provision in the bill. This wasn't even uh, getting a third of your sentence off. This was a more minor provision that retroactively increased the good time credits from 47 days a year to 54. So these people got let out early. Now, I know you might say, well, it's not a lot of time they're going to be let out anyway, this tranche. But rather than staggering it, it makes local law enforcement deal with a rash of these guys in one shot. Fox News is reporting, and this is ironic because Fox put out a press release endorsing the bill, an unprecedented act that they've never done in their history. First of all, only 960 of the inmates were drug-related offenses. And again, if they are, they're usually like MS-13 people drug trafficking, working for the cartels, but often doing other things too, as bad as that is. But they report that 496 were in prison for weapons, explosive-related crimes, 239 for sex offenses, 178 for bribery extortion, 118 for burglary larceny, and 104, um, uh, 106 for robbery, 59 for homicide or aggravated assaults, and two for national security reasons, I'm hearing they were terrorists. 
I'll have to find out more about that. Now, remember, these are just the ones that were convicted of violent offenses. Like I told you, often, if you're in the way the nature of the beast of the federal prison is, the nature of the people they catch on drug charges and racketeering, and they wind up convicting them on racketeering RICO, which doesn't sound like a big deal. Usually they're transnational gangs, cartels, really bad people, massive history in the state system, murderers. Again, a good number of the medieval dismemberment dudes from that MS-13 click that was just caught are initially only, only going to be charged with racketeering. Certainly, and then there's others that, will, that were charged with homicide but will plead down, and they'll only nail a conviction on, on RICO. So those aren't included in any of this. These are the people straight up convicted on a, quote, official violent crime. We knew we'd be proven right. But then there's another thing. The U.S. attorney in Maryland is now reporting that 900 of these being released are deportable aliens with ICE detainers. 900 of them. That's about a third. What did I tell you? So many of them are illegal aliens. So at a time where ICE is scrambling with their tiny resources to deal with the border influx and trying to deport all the new bad guys, they have to deal with the most hardened criminal aliens in federal prison being released rather than in a staggering way in one shot that they have to scramble to get so they're not released onto our streets and, uh, instead of being deported. So first of all, it proves our point that the 800-pound gorilla in the room with 43% of federal offenders and on a given year being foreign nationals is immigration. But also keep in mind, this is just because we're dealing with the Trump administration. So Trump's Justice Department will certainly have BOP cooperate and hold these people so ICE could get them. Now imagine this degree of jailbreak that's going to occur in the ensuing years under a potentially Democrat administration. They're going to do what the sanctuary cities do, they're just going to release these people. This is the truth you, you, you got here all last year, last fall, last summer. We've reported on this. We wrote dozens upon dozens of articles tackling every aspect of this particular bill, this particular movement that's pushing it. And they, they don't think it's enough. They don't think it's enough. It's unbelievable. So, yes, I just want you all to know that as we go on and let in all of the problems from the world into our country, crime, gangs, drugs, public charge, everything, just know that we have waiting for them criminal justice reform to let them out on the streets. And boy, oh boy, is there a nexus between crime and the border and our brilliant politicians of the Trump administration, the Republican Congress, not only have not solved the problem of illegal immigration, but they have solved the problem for the left of the need for more Democrat voters by letting more people out of prison. There you go. There you go, folks. And, 
you know, I'm just saying it's so sad as I study both of these issues together, crime in general, immigration in general, the mixture of the two. And we see all these egregious cases every day of illegal aliens arrested for crazy crimes. It's, it's never reported that they're illegal. Often they were released. They were cycled in and out of the justice system. And what you see from there is aside from the egregious nature of not enforcing immigration laws and allowing illegals to remain in this country undetected even after committing crimes is just the number of people that commit insane crimes and barely serve any time. That's the biggest joke. The federal prison population is at, what is it, a 26, 27-year low, or at least the, the imprisonment rate. I think the population is, is the raw numbers are as low as they were maybe in the late 90s, but if you factor in the population growth, the rate is as low as it was in the early 90s. And uh, there we go. By the way, it's really cute. The Baltimore's new deputy police commissioner. He looks like the type of guy that you punch him in the stomach and he'll die. He got mugged at gunpoint. You can't make this stuff up. If you want to know what the future of jailbreak and not enforcing immigration laws are, look no further than my hometown. Because that's coming to the rest of America. The rest of America. There's jailbreak for you folks. Every day, numerous Americans are killed needlessly or maimed or raped as a result of jailbreak. And as a result of not enforcing immigration laws, and now we see the two merge a lot because a heck of a lot of people in the federal system are, guess what, are foreign nationals. In another case I just dealt with a couple of days ago, this was on July 18th, I put in a request to ICE about this guy, Edwin Castro Sanglang, in Riverside County, California, who was just charged with on 200 counts of child sex assault. 200 accounts of child sex assault. Um, having a relationship with this 13-year-old um, for for several years, dating back to, I guess, 2014. He was charged in 156 felon, felony cha- um, charges of child sex assault, 52 felony charges of sodomy and oral copulation of a 10-year-old, and a felony charge of continuous sexual abuse of a child. So, yeah. I figured, wait a minute. Sang Lang, is this guy an illegal? Well, it turns out ICE got back to me and they said Edwin Castro Sang Lang was booked in Southwest Detention Center in Riverside County on July 16th on 200 counts of child sexual assaults. Given the severity of, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is my query to them. Their response is on July 19th. That's a day after I responded to them. I asked them the question on July 19th, ICE officers lodged a detainer with the Southwest Detention Center on an, un, on an unlawfully present Philippine national Edwin Castro Sanglang following his arrest for sexual assaults on children. That's all they gave me. So he is indeed illegal. I wonder if it was my inquiry that prompted it. I, I don't know. And I sure hope not. And I sure hope they would get him anyway. 
But it's funny, at the time I gave the inquiry, there was no ICE detainer, now there is. So, how many of these are missed? And by the way, nothing anywhere. You Google the guy's name, you'll see, as always, no mention of an ICE detainer by any local reporter, no mention of his immigration status. Just another crime. But don't worry, criminal justice reform, baby. This guy will be out in no time. Thanks to our lovingly conservative movement that does nothing but score points for the other side. And the only thing they've accomplished in these number of years is giving to the left one of the very core elements that will help create a permanent Democrat majority that will destroy this country from within, destroy our security. And by golly, it is, man, it, it is such a winning issue. Crime and illegal immigration, the mixture of the two. Like I said last year, on those issues alone, you could realign American politics. If you started a party just on those two issues alone, my gosh, it would take off like wildfire. So there we go. And you know what? With all these cases of criminal alien child molesters saturating our country, of course, because we don't have the president and the administration and Republicans in Congress doing what I do every day and, and directing the narrative that way, it allows the other side to find their sob story. So they're pushing on this whole story about, oh, ICE detained for three weeks an American citizen. So now right away you think, hey, what's the story? So to begin with, the Washington Post already got some details on how the mother did the kid in by lying and saying he was born in Mexico and committing identity theft and all sorts of things. So, you know, it was her fault, but and now there, there's, I mean, those are just preliminary details. I don't have more, but I'm just saying, even if it is true, in fact, and you know, that he is a citizen and, and whatever, he's really not a citizen. The mother's an illegal. There is no birthright citizenship for people who steal our birthright. There's birthright citizenship for Americans or people who are admitted on a permanent basis in a lawful way. I'm sick of this. The Wong Kim Ark decision, which was garbage, but the decision itself says very clearly you get birthright citizenship if you're permitted to reside here and you're domiciled here. Okay, that does that, that does not apply to illegalism. You know, so much for that order. That just reminded me of that. Just, I really resent that. And then you get this case here in Nashville where ICE tried to arrest someone and they formed a human ring around, they locked the guy in the car and formed a human ring around him for hours. Why is Congress, why is the president not pushing my August, my American August, for Congress to deal with this? To enforce 1324 violations, aiding, abetting, all sorts of federal violations here. And then also it's important to realize, I mean, this is what's happening. The more we allow this to go on, it's now in the deep south. Nashville is one of the fastest growing foreign national places 
with illegal aliens. So there's that story we're looking into. I just want to close with one thought. You know, Russia's just coming on air as um as we're taping here, and I see people on Twitter telling me that Rush predictably said this was a brilliant move on the part of Trump. See, Rush didn't even factor in half the stuff we're saying because, frankly, he doesn't know it. I mean, it's not even a matter of disagreement over things or, oh, he just wants to make money. The guy doesn't know anything. I'm sorry. Like, he just doesn't. It's hard to respect someone like that. But believe me, he has power. Very sad. But I want to make one more point about this budget betrayal that I think is very important. Once again, many of these apologists hang their hats on the military. Oh, we need military spending. Even though we just raised it, but now we're going to raise it more. I ask you, if we won't use our military to deter Iran and deter the Mexican cartels, what is the point of spending more and more on it? If the purpose of our military is only to engage in social engineering, why have it? Okay, I just don't care anymore. This is from um, last week. Marine Corps to consider extending maternity leave up to one full year. The Marine Corps will, Corps will consider extending maternity leave up to one full year in what would amount to a significant policy change for the service. In the planning guide to the force, Marine Corps Commandant General David Berger called the service's parental maternity leave policies inadequate and said they have failed to keep pace with societal norms and modern talent management practices. We should never ask our Marines to choose between being the best parent possible and the best Marines possible. What the hell does that mean? See, this is the thing with the Amazon gender bending business. Yeah, tough women. They're tougher than men. Let's have an Amazon brigade. Let's have only females. All right, fine. So then you figure, all right, so we'll have the Amazons. But then, you know, biology kicks in. And they, you know, they are women and oh, they have kids and oh, well, now they have to be out. So they have it both ways. Both ways in every front. We fully support the growth of our marine families and will do everything possible to, to provide parents with opportunities to remain with their newborns for extending periods of time. Jeez. Oh, man. Why do we need a military? Just, just zero out the funding. I don't care. The whole thing's a scam. But Rush Limbaugh thinks it's brilliant. Let me tell you, I could do what Rush Limbaugh does. Now, I won't earn nearly as much money, but I'll earn enough to feed my family. And I'll be a lot happier, frankly. But you know what? This world is a temporary place. The main enchilada is in the next world. We're going to have to give account for our actions. And to me, I don't do this to earn a living. I mean, I have to earn a living once I'm doing it. Otherwise, I can't live. But if I would have done it for the purpose of making money, I would have 
gone into a different profession. I'm doing this because whether you agree with me or, or not, depending on what type of listener you are, I believe it's the best thing. It's the most moral thing to do for the widest array of people within the confines of the document we adopted in 1789. And that's what I'm going to continue doing. That's what good public policy is. And I'm going to get behind this microphone, you know, as we grow the show within the next possibly week, even or two weeks, move to video, get on YouTube, expand our reach. We're going to double down to do the same thing, inform you on as much of what is really going on that really matters to the real policies of this country. Say it like it is, no sacred cows. It's not a matter of being definitively for or against anyone. It's a matter of trying just to be on the right side of the issues. Truly independent conservative voice When I say conservative, I mean, no one even knows what it means to be conservative anymore. We need to reestablish that. But on so much of what's going on that we've talked about today, I ask you, as not some of you non-conservative listeners, do you really have to be a conservative to appreciate this? Both parties are screwing us. Nobody cares. And that's where I feel I have a little bit of an avenue to make a difference. And I'm going to try to do that. I'm never, I'm never going to BS you. Even though sometimes it's the, that, that's definitely the easier thing to do. So it's very sad what has happened to some of the more prominent voices, more well-known voices in this fledgling movement. I want to try to have some guests on later this week. It's be a little bit of a challenge with them working on um, my office in the coming days starting tomorrow, but we're going to try to at least fit in, you know, maybe shorter shows if we have time. Um, As we go through this transition, we're going to watch to see if there's any momentum, any momentum behind anything going on to stop this travesty. And if there's any momentum behind ISIS operation to arrest 35 illegal aliens till tomorrow thanks for listening this has been another episode of the conservative conscience